are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, October 11th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. A leaked recording of racist remarks made behind closed doors by three members of the city council has fractured trust between blacks and Latinos in Los Angeles. The California Report examines deeply rooted tensions that aren't likely to fade soon. Plus, the state has advice for fire-prone communities like ours. After regional news and weather, Gary Zimmerman and Mark Cuniberti go for a ride on the economic merry-go-round. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Three members of the Los Angeles City Council are facing a barrage of calls to resign after an audio recording of them making racist comments was made public. With more, here's my California Report co-host, Saul Gonzalez. Saul? That's right, Madi. We're talking about council members Gil Cedillo, Kevin DeLeon, and Nuri Martinez, who was council president. She stepped down from that leadership role yesterday. The recording, published by the LA Times on Sunday, is from a meeting the three had a year ago with a county labor leader about a city redistricting dispute. So getting back to Marquis, I told Danny, if you want to cut But the exchange soon became laced with racist comments and banter. The person who spoke the most was Martinez. In a mixture of Spanish and English, she criticized a white colleague on the city council for bringing his adopted black son to ride on a float during an MLK Day parade. He brings the little black one, Martinez says in Spanish. He brings him, right? Martinez then goes on to say in Spanish that the child looks like, quote, a little monkey. Martinez then seems to mock Oaxacan Mexicans and says L.A. County's D.A., George Gascon, is, quote, with the blacks. None of the others in the meeting pushed back against Martinez's comments. The leaked audio has both infuriated and saddened black political and civil rights leaders in L.A., like longtime activist Najee Ali. I caught up with him at a meeting of black religious leaders in South L.A., where they called for those elected officials in the recording to resign. How are you just feeling personally? I'm hurt. It's very painful for me. The elected officials that were in the room, all of them are friends of mine. I've worked with them over the years. So I felt a personal betrayal, but especially by uh, Council President Nuria Martinez. And it just shows she's not fit to serve in public office. While Martinez did step down as president of the city council, she has made no mention of resigning from it, where she represents part of the San Fernando Valley. Meanwhile, U.S. Senator Alex Padilla and L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, as well as Karen Bass and Rick Caruso, who are running to be L.A.'s next mayor, are asking all of the elected officials who were in the meeting to resign. Looking ahead, some Angelinos, like Manuel Pastor, director of USC's Equity Research Institute, are worried about the long-term consequences consequences of the scandal on Black-Latino relations in Los Angeles. He spoke to our partner station, KCRW in Santa Monica. There is a sense on a lot of part of a lot of Black folks in L.A. of a loss of space in terms of gentrification and displacement in communities in South L.A., a loss of political power and political voice, and sometimes a 
suspicion in this particular case rightfully confirmed that Latinos might be saying different things in closed rooms than they are out in public about what it means to build solidarity between communities. Activist Naji Ali acknowledges work must be done to rebuild trust. Damage was done to race relations, but I'm confident that at some point we'll do what we always do as Angelinos. We'll rise to the challenge and make this right for everyone. And later today, L.A. City Council will meet for the first time since the racist audio comments were released. Although the topic isn't on the official agenda, it's expected that the controversy will certainly come up. Madi? So this all started in a meeting about redistricting. Does this mean that the new maps are compromised? Well, that remains to be seen. Much of the conversation in that leaked meeting was about frustrations the three council members felt about losing assets and clout under the new maps. Now, some civil rights advocates aren't so sure the maps are fair. Here's Lori Candinas, the president of National Action Network Los Angeles. Well, I think that we need to relook at the maps that Nuri uh, had some say over. Uh, We can't depend on those maps at this point. After hearing the conversation, the blatant talk about suppressing the black vote, it was very clear in the conversation that they wanted to limit our vote in order to keep their people in. So I'm calling that they investigate those maps. We need to take a look at them um, and see exactly what damage has been done. I'm sure we'll be hearing and learning more about this in the coming days. All right. Thanks, Saul. Thank you. And the fallout from this growing controversy continues. Last night, Ron Herrera, head of the L.A. County Federation of Labor, offered his resignation, which was accepted by the Federation's executive board. That's according to the Los Angeles Times. Herrera was the fourth voice heard on the leaked audio. Local governments should consider wildfire risk when evaluating proposals for new housing. That's the message from California Attorney General Rob Bonta, whose department issued guidance for cities and counties yesterday. For example, Bonta says new housing should be located near evacuation routes where firefighters can respond quickly. He adds water supply is crucial. Local governments should analyze the adequacy of water supplies and infrastructure to fight fires. Local governments should consider requiring on-site water supply or storage to augment ordinary supplies that may be lost during a wildfire. Bonta says working with developers to mitigate fire risks at the beginning of a housing plan can avoid expensive litigation and save lives. The ultimate goal, he says, is to save lives. Nearly 150 people have died in wildfires in the state since 2010. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration. On the web at schmidtocean.org. 
And that's the California Report for Tuesday, October 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Turning to regional news, tonight at 7, the Grass Valley City Council is poised to finalize design elements for benches, planters, and tree grates for the downtown streetscape project. According to the meeting agenda, city staff members have provided the council with different options for the design elements. Designs for benches and planters were discussed at the last meeting two weeks ago, but no plans were finalized. The public can attend the 7 p.m. meeting at the City Council Chambers at 125 East Main Street or watch a live broadcast on Comcast Channel 17 or stream it on YouTube or the City Council website. In another sign of the arrival of autumn, the Nevada Irrigation District is about to begin shutting down water service to summer irrigation customers. Crews will be ramping the system down this coming weekend, so customers should expect canal water to stop sometime Saturday through Sunday. In a release, NID said canals typically experience fluctuating flows as this change takes place. NID has provided water to the foothills since the 1920s. Currently, about 5,600 raw water customers irrigate more than 32,000 acres in Nevada and Placer counties. Most of these users purchase their raw water on a seasonal basis. The primary six-month irrigation season normally runs from April 15th through October 14th. The Board of Directors of Child Advocates of Nevada County has selected Nicole McNeely to be its next executive director. Child Advocates, which is the umbrella agency for CASA, Healthy Babies, and Child Safety Puppeteers, serves vulnerable children and families in our region. McNeely, most recently the executive director of the Food Bank of Nevada County, will replace Marina Bernheimer. McNeely has resided in Nevada County for most of her life. She's a graduate of Nevada Union High School and Sierra College and earned a bachelor's degree from California State University Chico in early childhood education. Last week, eight Nevada County teachers were recognized by their school districts as Teachers of the Year at an event at the Miners Foundry. The honorees were Shirley Fernandez, Union Hill Elementary, Jean Bevel, Cottage Hill Elementary, Cynthia Grapple, Grass Valley Charter School, Claire Thibodeau, Seven Hills Middle School, Nate Henderson, Williams Ranch Elementary, Jennifer Weir, Bear River High School, Jen Lubarski, Clear Creek School, and Audra Delaney, Chicago Park Elementary. The teachers were honored at an annual dinner hosted by the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools and the Association of California School Administrators. Now to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be clear with a low around 57. The air quality index this afternoon was measuring in the mid-20s, which is satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 84 and a low around 55. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low around 39. Air quality this afternoon was measuring in the mid-30s. Wednesday in the Tahoe area will be sunny with a high near 73 and a low around 37. For our friends in Sacramento and Woodland, this evening will be clear with a low around 57. 
The Air Quality Index this afternoon was measuring around 50, which is acceptable but risky for sensitive people. Wednesday in the Sacramento area will be sunny with a high near 89. Wednesday night will be clear with a low in the mid-50s. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up next, economist Gary Zimmerman joins KVMR's Paul Emery for a lively conversation as they chew on the smorgasbord of mixed messages we've been getting about the health of the economy. Gross domestic product, jobs, inflation, monetary policy. Will the stats all add up to a recession in 2023? Stay tuned. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb. Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. My goodness, Gary, a lot has happened since since the last time we've talked. Um, been a lot of important economic news recently, and we're starting to get updated about expectations about what the Federal Reserve is likely to do with interest rates at their next meeting. Can you tell us about this? Yes, Paul, we have updated data for economic output or GDP this week. Uh, we have new job market data that's been strong and, and, new, and new inflation numbers, and we'll have more than this week um, that are they're still high. So, um, And I'm also seeing discussions about what the Federal Reserve might do at their next meeting on November 10th. And that's, you know, and a lot of that seems to be in the news, including information from some of the Fed presidents and governors. Okay, let's start with the updated numbers on on growth and the overall economy. What do the revised GDP numbers that were that were recently published what do they show and is the economy growing or slowing? The Bureau of Economic Analysis or or BEA revises its quarterly national gross domestic product or GDP data on, on a regular basis as they get new and updated data. Uh, what are the revised data telling us at the end of September, um, you know, not much new after a very strong fourth quarter of last year when the economy expanded at a very rapid 7% annual rate. In the first half of 2022, things were just the opposite, very weak, uh, with the economy's total output actually declining. So in the first quarter of 2022, the revised GDP number shows it falling at an annual rate of 1.6%. The second quarter was a little better with the economy only um, output only declining at a 0.6% annual rate. Looking at those first two consecutive quarterly declines, do you expect that the first half of the year will be a recession or not? I expect that the first half of 2022 probably won't be considered a recession by the National Bureau of Economic Research. That's the uh, Committee of Business Cycle Research Experts and Economists that define U.S. recessions. First, the NBER committee looks at a wider array of economic indicators than just GDP. And many of those uh, areas of the economy, like national income and job growth, are still positive. And, you know, the unemployment rate has fallen during that time period to lows we've only seen in expansions. You know, and also, I think, on a, interestingly, on a year-over-year basis in June of 22, GDP, after you subtract out inflation, grew at at over at, at 1.2%. 
8% annual rate over the year, uh, the past four quarters. And that's about an average growth rate for the U.S. economy, despite the fact that you had two negative quarters out of the past four quarters. Um, and if one goes back, you know, a dozen recessions and going back to like 1950 and 11 of the 12 recessions, the the year over year growth rate would turn negative, uh, turn negative. And that's quite the opposite of a 1.8% year over year job growth, or excuse me, GDP growth rate um, that we're seeing with the economy at the end of the second quarter of 2022. So yeah, I think there's some pretty good reasons why they might not um, declare it a recession officially. The big question, what happens next? What is the Fed likely to do in November? And why do you think that's uh, going to happen? Well, I expect another 75 basis points or three quarters of a percent increase because they, you know, um, based on the September projections by the Fed policymakers, they were expecting the um, Fed's target overnight interest rate uh, at the year in 2022 to be in the four and a quarter to four and a half percent range. Um, and, you know, right now they're one percent below that. And that suggests that they expect at least one or two more increases of a total of one percent by year end. Why is that? Well, the current inflation remains well above the Fed's two percent goal, you know, both the personal consumption expenditure inflation rate and the um, consumer price index are, are, are well above that 2% um, and haven't moved down appreciably. So, you know, at the same time, you have a 3.5% unemployment rate, uh, which is, you know, they consider full employment. So, you know, and the economy is still adding jobs at a relatively rapid pace. And that adds upward pressure on inflation, along with the global factors like COVID, supply chain disruptions, and the, the war in Ukraine. So, you know, and again, another thing to remember is it takes time, sometimes several quarters, for Fed policy to impact the economy. And they only started raising interest rates in March to, to slow inflation. Now, the Fed is, you know, seems to be playing catch up here, but it doesn't want to overdo the increases in interest rates, you know, for concerns about, you know, hitting the brakes too hard and slowing down the economy too quickly or too much and driving the economy into a recession. Um, but, you know, that's that's a risk that they they think feel that they have to take right now, given the inflation numbers that we're still seeing. And, you know, those those risks are also things that are driving the financial markets and cause lots of concern and <laughs> As, as they worry about the direction and strength of the economy going forward as well. Okay, Gary, lots of information. And uh, <laughs> look forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks and see where we are then. Okay, sounds good, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gary. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Federal Reserve and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. So, is the economy a car that's about to go off a cliff, a roller coaster, or more of a merry-go-round? Choose your favorite metaphor, but many months of volatility have overturned Mark Cuniberti's expectations. He surveys the damage in today's Money Matters commentary.
Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name's Mark Cunaberti. The news wires are alight with economic news, jerking markets and investors to and fro in an almost bipolar-like fashion. Up hundreds of points one day and down just as much the next. The market and its investors seemingly don't know which way to turn. With the Federal Reserve on inflation watch, reading the economic tea leaves as statistics hit the news wires almost daily. Investors' heads are spinning round and round trying to catch their breath as markets jump around like the proverbial Mexican jumping bean. The financial news is mixed and contradictory, to say the least. ADP reported the economy added 208,000 jobs in September, fueling speculation the economy is still healthy and growing. Either that or the free money showered upon the consumer during COVID is running out, and people are starting to get off the couch and get back to work. Meanwhile, to the chagrin of consumers, OPEC, the oil-producing nations, just announced it is cutting oil production by 2 million barrels a day to shore up prices. I had to scratch my head at that one, as if gas prices aren't high enough. Oil stocks have been on the move lately after a brutal hammering from mid-June to mid-July. Not a recommendation to buy or sell, mind you, but oil is one of the few bright spots in an otherwise bleak summer in the stock market. Speaking of the stock market, after a brutal six weeks of selling starting mid-August and through most of the month of September, after Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, gave a short but sobering speech on his continuing plans to address the inflation. The start of October brought some welcome relief rallies into the indexes. Now, with signs the economy is indeed slowing, another bout of hope, a Fed pivot is in the cards by fueling the new market enthusiasm. Pivot refers to the Fed perhaps backing off recent seemingly relentless increases in the Fed overnight interest rate, which jacks all the other interest rates up, with an historic three, three-quarters of a percent increases in a row now in the books, some analysts think the Fed will back off further increases for now to let the past increases work their way through the system. Others argue the inflation will only worsen from here, and the recent statistics are just economic noise. Adding to the drama, Tesla founder and corporate maverick Elon Musk has flopped once again on his decision to buy social media giant Twitter. The purchase first announced in early April after buying a chunk of Twitter stock a month earlier. In July, he backed out of the deal and a lawsuit filed by Twitter soon followed. Last week, to the surprise of many, Musk once again announced his intention to go through with the purchase after all. No doubt more craziness will follow. The war in Ukraine unfortunately rages on, crimping supply lines and commodity sources, adding to economic woes and the consumer shortages we're all seeing. With the world seemingly in a topsy-turvy reality, which never seems to end, investors can maintain a portion of their investment envelope in cash or cash equivalents to reduce volatility and diversify the rest in stocks, bonds, and other securities according to one's particular situation and level of risk tolerance. A financial advisor can also be consulted to better assist the average or novice investor. And that does it for today's Money Matters. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. This newscast expresses my opinion only is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security, nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet, its staff, members, or underwriters.
Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. I hold California insurance license OL34249 and am a Medicare approved agent in the state of California. My name is Mark Cunaberti. Thanks for listening. That's our newscast for Tuesday, October 11th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Tripp's Auto Body Shop, locally owned and operated by the Tripp family, offering collision, dent, automotive frame repair, and detailing for over 65 years. Open weekdays, 8 to 5, Freeman Lane, Grass Valley. TrippsAutoBody.com and Ubidoc's Urgent Care since 2000, providing walk-in, medical, and urgent care, accepting most insurance. Open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, Saturdays and holidays. Located in the Fowler Center, Grass Valley, ubidocs.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off with thanks to each and every one of you who donated to KVMR during our recent membership drive. We especially appreciate your support for KVMR's news and public affairs programming. Please join us Wednesday evening at 6 for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.